Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. This morning, we are going to uh, begin a new series that we are entitling Intentional Living. And uh, my hope is, is that through this series that these simple truths will resonate in your hearts like they've been resonating in mine over the past few weeks. And I'll just maybe shoot straight with you up top. I'm not going to give you loads of Bible today. Um, the, the reality is, is I'm probably going to be super repetitive today, and that's intentional. Uh, you know, all of that's intentional. And, uh, and I'll say this, more than likely, there's a good chance that uh, this won't be for everybody, uh, but this is definitely for me. Okay, so if you're not sitting here, if you're sitting here today and you're like, ah, oh, that didn't hit home with me, then you know how to pray for me. Okay, so if we succeeded somewhere today, it's right there, all right? So uh, let's pray and we'll hop on in. Jesus, we so love you this morning. Uh, Lord, I just simply ask, God, that you would help us, including me, shake off, uh, Lord, the hangover of the holidays at this moment. Lord, I ask, God, that you would help us to lean into you, God, and get hungry to hear from heaven today. Father, I pray that your spirit will come, the spirit of life and the spirit of truth that teaches us so well would come and begin to just uh, just begin to navigate in our hearts, God, and reveal things uh, that only he can reveal. And so, Lord, we just simply give you permission today to speak loud and clear. Father, I thank you for the anointing. I ask for your presence to increase in this room. And, Lord, I pray that our ears and our eyes and our hearts will be open to receive from you today, God, literally everything that you would have. And so, Lord, uh, just help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, listen, as we start, I actually want to take us back for a moment. Uh, If you remember, 21 days ago, I stood up here and I shared with uh, you how it isn't uncommon for God to use the turning of the year as a way to launch us into some new chapter in our lives. And uh, because I know that's true, I encourage each one of us to Uh, intentionally set aside some time to hear from God concerning where he might want to lead us over the next year. That's as individuals, but also as our families. And I believe, uh, once again, as individuals and families, that also means where we're kind of headed as the church. Now, the main purpose behind this whole idea of just pausing for a minute uh, was so that we could simply ask God this question. Is God, how can we give more attention to the areas that should matter the most in our lives? And, and like this, in other words, what matters most? Uh, our relationship with him, like that's first and foremost, right? Like how do we, uh, you know, basically give more attention to discovering our purpose in him and fulfilling that purpose? If we're married, marriage is on that list. If we have children, children, the raising of our children on that list. Uh, I think it's very important that we actually, uh, you know, focus in on our emotional, our mental, and our physical health. Can I get an amen with that? That, you know, our friendships matter. And lastly, I would say the finances and the resources that God has entrusted us with. Now, listen, for the sake of us gaining clarity and having direction in each of those areas, I I also encourage all of us to actually take some time not only to just hear, but to actually develop an intentional growth plan by using these five steps. And the reason I say this is because a lot of times when we don't write things down, we just forget them, right? If we write things down, it kind of help us, helps us keep the course. So, so how do we develop that? Number one, I encourage you basically just to pause. The Bible says, be still and know that he's God. In other words, take a moment from our busy lives and just settle in for a moment and focus on him. 
And what's the second thing there? That we would actually take time to reflect. A lot of times we don't get honest with ourselves about what's happening around us and in us and through us and all those things. And sometimes it's just good to settle in and say, search me, oh God, right? The next thing is this, is that when God begins to speak, that we would actually take that next step and we begin to write down what he's saying. In other words, we've got to write the vision, make it plain what it says there in Habakkuk. The fourth thing is this, is, is, it, is it somehow it's got to go from paper to real life. And so we've got to move forward. How many of you guys know it takes faith to actually walk things out, right? And then the last one is this, is that we'd be willing to repeat that process of steps one through four when the time comes because that will change as we go throughout our lives. Now listen, my experience as a pastor tells me uh, these three things. In other words, that there's potentially these three responses from that message that I preached. The first one is this, is that there were those who heard it and that's far as it went. It went in one ear and out the other. Like, there's no judgment in that. That's just reality, right? And you're probably sitting here going, yeah, that's me. All right, so the second one is this, is that there was probably those who left the service and actually applied what they heard. They're doers of the word, right? They applied it, they put it to work, and they're excited to reap the benefits of it. Then the third response that I think probably most of us landed on is this, is that, is that we're, we're somewhere in the middle. We haven't forgot about it, uh, you know, but, it, but we haven't completely followed through with it either. Instead, the message is just, it's just kind of simmering on the background of our hearts, right? Like we're mulling it over and we're processing it. Now, to be completely transparent with you this morning, uh, I personally have landed somewhere between number two and number three, okay? And, and this whole idea of what it means actually to live out an intentional growth plan uh, truthfully has been really heavy on my heart and it is constantly on my mind. And because of this, I personally, purposely have chosen to, uh, truthfully, I just spent a lot of time in the garage over the last two weeks. I went to the garage and I just listened to podcasts, listened to music, and I thought about this. And, and what I did is I just chose to evaluate uh, certain areas of my life over, over the past few weeks. And so listen to this. Once again, today's going to be pretty vulnerable, but but uh, one of the things that has happened as I've been processing through all of this, I've been thinking about those areas that we just listed, is I was actually reminded of a conversation that I had with one of my friends about eight and a half years ago. In other words, I'm thinking, and this memory came back. And so basically what he and I were actually sitting in a dining hall uh, of a youth summer camp. And uh, when we were sitting there, he asked me a very poignant question. And this was a question he asked me. He said, Quentin, if you could have anything in your life right now, what would it be? As I sat there and I thought about it for a moment, the answer was a simple, uh, just one word. It was this. It was influence. I told him that I would want a greater measure of influence. You see, the reason I answered with that one word is because at that time I was in my mid-30s and I was on staff at a really large church. And, and even though I had the privilege of leading a thriving ministry and, and I was working with some extremely gifted people, uh, I, I personally wanted to be valued more in the inner workings of the church. Like, I wanted my opinion to matter. Like, I wanted to know that I belong and that I was accepted among the spiritual leaders right on that staff. And, and I wanted to know that I had a place at their table. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. To me, listen, for whatever reason, those things is what it meant to have influence. Now, the funny thing is, is I can fast forward to eight and a half years later, and I stand here today, and I would honestly say that at this stage of my life, I don't even care about that table anymore. It's not because it's evil or because it's wrong. It's simply because, uh, like all things in life, I've just learned without Jesus, it's empty. So listen, so at 43 years old, I'm coming to the realization more and more that I am potentially or, uh, you know, or maybe a little over the midpoint of my life. 
That's a sobering thought. Listen, and while I don't think I'm having a midlife crisis, at least that's what I'm telling myself, right? Like I'm not, I'm not trying to get a sports car. I sure would want a really nice Tacoma, but sports card, I'm not interested, right? But, but listen, I, I'm certainly reevaluating my life in a deeper way than I ever have before. And I have to admit to you that through my reevaluating process, I've noticed that there are some uh, core things that have really shifted in my heart over the years that I wasn't really aware of. And for starters, it's this. If you would have asked me when I was in my early 20s where I thought I would be at the age of 43, I can promise you that my answer would look nothing like my life does today. Like, not even close. Because the truth is, is in my early 20s, all I dreamed about was basically going and lighting the world on fire. That's it. Right? Like, like in my head and my dreams, man, all I thought about was going in and preaching to large crowds, moving in the anointing, and seeing the power of God fall into place like a bomb. That's what I dreamed about, right? Fast forward all these years. I still got loads of dreams and aspirations. I still want to see God move like that. Uh, but, but the unmistakable truth that I think is ringing in my heart is this, is that my idea of what it means to be successful in the kingdom of God has changed dramatically over the last 20 years. In other words, success isn't a stage. Success isn't a spotlight. Stage isn't, I mean, success isn't a crowd. Right? So, so the reality is, is that today I care a lot less about changing the world and a lot more about changing myself. So that I can be the man, not the minister, but the man that God has called me to be. Like, like here I'll shoot straight with you. It's more important to me today that I'm a good dad than a good pastor. I didn't have that when I was a young fellow, right? Because I didn't have any kids. So listen, I just say this. The older I get, the more I realize that Uh, Jesus never cared about having a seat at their table, and he never cared about the spotlight, right? In fact, he never tried to gain any notoriety. He never tried to make a reputation for himself. And here's why. It's because he was already secure at his place, at his father's side, and in his father's eyes, right? Like he already knew he was loved. He knew he belonged, and he knew that he was valued by the one whose opinion mattered the most, Amen? I just think it's today that it's at that place of security that Jesus knew that he had is that was one of the many reasons why he was so effective, or I'll say so fruitful in his life. So here's why I'm telling you all this, okay? Is in retrospect, retrospect, if there was some way I could rewind and go all the way back eight and a half years ago, back to that conversation, that dining hall in York, South Carolina, sitting at that round table, eating that nasty food, because it's camp food, right, with my buddy Damon, my, my answer would not be influence, right? Instead, I would say this, I simply want to be faithful and fruitful in the areas that matter the most. That's it. See, to me, that, that simple thing of being fruitful in the areas that matter the most uh, sound and feel a lot less like man's ambition and more like the way Jesus would want me to live. Can I hear an amen? amen. So listen, the, the truth is, is that this evaluation process just kind of helped me put some language to some things. But, but I'm seeing in, in, in an even greater clarity than ever before that effectiveness, or we'll say fruitfulness, requires intentionality. Maybe we can say it this way, that fruitfulness requires intentional living. So in other words, I just think it's this. It's one thing to say that 
We want to be successful in all those areas. Like, who doesn't want great kids? Like, who doesn't want a great marriage, right? But, but listen, when the rubber meets the road, it takes a whole lot of intentionality in our part to actually be effective and fruitful in each of those areas. Can I hear an amen? I'll just say it this way. Uh, in this room, there's people who are great handling the resources. And I'll say it clear. Finance is the money God's given you. And there are those of us who stink. Right? That live from paycheck to paycheck. It's not really about the amount of money we make. It's how we manage our money. Right? And so I'll just say this. So you can look at, once again, what, what determines success a lot of times is our attentionality in the things that we've been given, the opportunities that we have, right? Nobody's a victim in the kingdom. Amen? So, so let me just say this, just kind of an extra thought, is that intentional living means we refuse to allow the outcome of our lives to be left up to chance or some random, impulsive, reactionary, unintentional living on our part. Like we refuse to do that, right? And the reason is, is because we know that's a surefire way to live a life that bears little to no fruit. I don't know about you, but it's important to me when I get to heaven that I have fruit to bring with me. Amen? So instead it's this. When, when we have intentional living, we, we make the choice to embrace and to possess an attitude that is purposeful, that's aware, that's fully present, that's engaged. We can even say calculated and committed to deliberate action with Jesus. Are you all hearing me today? With that in mind, I want to read a portion of scripture, uh, just kind of remind us what Jesus told us in John 15, uh, let this land on you however it needs to land. Amen. John 15, starting verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He's the vine dresser. It says he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. Can I pause there for a moment? Sometimes we wonder, why in the world am I going through this? Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. There you go. Remember that next time you're going through hell. Number three. It says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to. You remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown to the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. Fast forward a few verses to verse 13. This is John 15, 13 through 16. Jesus said again, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I have learned from my Father I have made known to you. That's amazing. In verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. 
Listen, the point I'm trying to make here is, is if you and I identify ourselves as disciples of followers of Jesus Christ, then we need to remember that he has called us and he, has, he expects us to live a life that's intentional, right? He expects us to live an intentional life, one that bears not only much fruit, but lasting fruit. In other words, that we live our lives with an eternity mindset and it's things that actually stay the course, right? Not just some quick flash in the pan moments things, right? So watch this. Along those lines, I want you to actually hear another verse. Uh, years ago, there was one part, because we all know, we read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, and then there's these times where these uh, simple words will jump out at you and they'll grab you by the collar and just shake you a little bit, right? That's what this verse does for me, okay? So it's the Second Peter 1, 5 through 9. It says, for this very reason, what's the reason? Because you and I have been called to live a life of intentionality. He says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. There's actually a progressive order there. It says, for if these qualities are yours, watch this, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. The, actually, what it means in the Hebrew language or the Greek language, sorry, it actually means to be uh, basically keep you from being barren and useless. So it says, to keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. I hear you, Pete. Right? Listen, it's because of... This expectation and this calling that Jesus has placed on my life and on your life. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be ineffective and unfruitful. Like, I don't want to follow, fall in that ineffective and unfruitful category that Peter was talking about. Right? And I'll just say it this way. I don't want to be that tree that Jesus walks up to, that fig tree, and there's no figs on it. There's no fruit. Like, I don't want that to be my life. Right? And so what I'm trying my best to do in this season of my life, once again, I can't make decisions for you, but for me, is I'm trying to make the conscious choice to live an intentional life in those areas that, once again, that matter the most. Is there anybody in here that's with me on that? Yeah. yeah. So listen to this. But how many of you know that just because we say we want to live in an intentional life, it doesn't mean there won't be any barriers or obstacles to over, uh, that we'll have to overcome in the process? Like, we're going to come against things, Yeah. So listen, with that thought in mind, I want to ask you a question. And if you're, if you're listening and paying attention, taking notes, whatever, uh, everything in this sermon hinges on this one question I'm about to ask. Like, this is where we shift. These are the things right here that I really want to talk about today. Here's the question. Is what do you think is the number one barrier or obstacle that is currently hindering you from living the intentional life you know you should be living? The number one thing, number one barrier, number one obstacle is keeping you from living the life that Jesus wants you to live. Listen, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that question, but, but I'm learning, follow me here, that the main thing that's keeping me from living the intentional life that Jesus wants me to is this, is I have allowed myself to become too busy. Listen, if that sounds basic and it kind of surprises you. I got to be honest, that surprised me as, as well. Like I didn't, I didn't expect that. In fact, if somebody would ask me that question a month ago, I can guarantee you, busy would not have been my answer. Wouldn't have been. 
But, but recently, listen, once again, I'm processing, right? The Holy Spirit gently reminded me of how I have answered almost every single text for the past couple of years has come from a friend, a spiritual father, a mentor, a family member, anybody that has texted me and asked me, how are you doing? Listen, my immediate response, Holy Spirit remind me this, my immediate response for the past couple of years to that question has been, I'm good, but busy. Okay, Lord. Listen, I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to this, but and we all got our own stories. But listen, I literally wake up every morning, just being shooting straight with you. I wake, every, I wake up every morning, and before my feet hit the ground, I'm already thinking about who all I need to meet with, who I need to call, who I need to text, who I need to email. I think of the status of this project or that project. I think about how I need to finish this class that sermon, how I need to go handle and finalize that thing that somebody asked me to do, right? And, and, and where, you know, listen, I, I begin to think about where and when I need to drop off the kids. And then I try my best to not forget that second part is to pick them up, right? <laughs> listen, in, in my head, I'm constantly thinking about, uh, you know, how I can't let this or that fall through the crack. And, oh, yeah, I can't forget I do have a wife. And I think she wants to spend time with me. At least that's what she keeps telling me, right? And so th then it's like, man, I'm just like, I, you know, there's all these things that she wants me to accomplish, so i got to make time for it. Any husband know what I'm talking about where they're like, for the 50th time, can you go do that? Yeah, i got loads of those, right? And, and so, listen, then on top of all that, I still got parents. i got siblings. i got family and friends who still, I think, at least want a relationship with me. Listen, it just kind of keeps going. I'm just kind of giving you a few things, right? Now, now, listen, I'm not foolish. I realize that all those things are just an inescapable part of life. Uh, but here's the reality. When it's one, two, or three of those things, not a problem. I can handle it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So it's not really a big deal. But, but when it's all of those things, right, like when I look at my uh, pages of to-do list, right, that that's when it becomes a different story for me. And if I'm being honest with you, there's probably more days than not, right, where I just wish this merry-go-around called life would stop so I can get off because I'm exhausted. Am I the only one? Listen, because of this feeling, I, I recently told someone, I, I, I told them this. I said, when I think about my to-do list, I, I keep rem remembering that old statement, uh, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And I, and I told them, I said, you know, I get that, but my problem that I'm running into is I'm not sure uh, where to take my first bite or my second bite or my third bite. And truthfully, when I begin to look at that list of everything I got to get done and all those things I keep remembering because everything doesn't always make it on paper, man, the feeling is daunting. So listen, I, I just want us to slow down and think about something for a moment. Um, really, just like if we could settle in in our hearts for a second. The next time you're having another busy day, we're having another busy day, right? Like, I, I want us to pay attention to our body and our emotions. Like, more than likely, I think you'll catch yourself being distracted, stressed out, impatient, right? Get short with your words, and you're easily irritated, Listen, if you're anything like me in this room, then, then when, when you are super busy, uh, you will struggle to be fully present in conversations, right? And you'll struggle to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. 
In short, I'll say it this way. I, I believe what you'll notice if you actually stop long enough to pay attention to those moments, you'll find out that when you're super busy, you're not the best version of yourself. Right? In, in fact, I'll be honest with you. Some of my worst moments as a husband, as a father, as a friend, right, as a leader, all of my worst moments have probably occurred on my busiest days. Like when I say the stupidest things, it's because it's a really busy day. When I come off with zero compassion, it's on a really busy day. Right? When I holler at my kids, it's because I'm busy and stressed out. Don't look at me like you've never done it. <laughs> right? Listen, it's why, because once again, on my busiest days, those are the days I tend to not be my best spiritually, mentally, emotionally, or physically. Right? Like, or even, I'll just put it this way, relationally. Right? So, listen, in addition to all of this, here's the other thing I'm realizing is that not only is busyness the main thing that's keeping me from living the intentional life I desire, but it's also causing me to live a life where I'm in a hurry a majority of the time. Here's a little side note, okay? And this may happen to you, I don't know, but, but it's kind of funny, uh, funny way to think about this, but um, kind of lets you know, I guess, my process and how I feel majority of the time. So uh, about two years ago, maybe less, my son Jude went through uh, this phase where he would literally ask every person he talked to a series of questions. Like, I'm so glad we're beyond this, okay? Um, if he's still doing it to you, I'm sorry. At least it stopped in my house. But listen, and, and one of his main questions was this. If you could be any superhero, <laughs> who would you be? <laughs> If you could be any superhero or superpower, who, right? Like, like, what would you have, right? So, and my answer was always this: like, like I know Iron Man, like, is witty and has all the cool toys. Like, this is my thought process: like, cool outfit, Duke can fly. He, you know, he's funny, right? I love his sarcastic humor. That's me. All right. So, and then there's Thor. And, and ladies, do I really have to say anything else? <laughs> I mean, dude's a stud, right? Okay. And so, and so then there's Captain America, and, you know, he's just all around like, man, just a good old boy, right? He's just solid, pure, courageous. He's the leader. But, but the way I would answer my son is I'd say this. I'd say this. I think I'm going to have to go with the Flash. Not because I think old Barry Allen is anywhere near as cool as those other three guys. Like, not even close, right? But if I had that man's skill set, if I had that speed, right? Like, have you seen the dude read a book? I'm like, I could easily get the things done I need to get done, and that sounds amazing. So, listen, I know that's kind of dorky, but with that said, here's what I've noticed from a lot of conversations I've had with people, is I'm not the only one that feels this way, right? Like, the reality is that it doesn't really matter where someone's from. You can be from the big city, you can be from the country, right? doesn't really matter how old you are, you, you can be a teenager, or you can be retired, Right? And it doesn't really matter what your employment is or what your job is. At the end of the day, we're all busy, and so much so, we're all in a hurry. But here's the even scarier part. If I can just bring some reality to this, is uh, here's what I found, especially when I watch you and I watch me, okay? Is when we do find those free moments in our schedule, like when a miracle happens and it's there, like we're free, we don't rest. 
right? Like instead, we inadvertently do our absolute best to fill those empty spots with extra stuff, right? Like extra stuff to do, extra stuff to go, you know, places to go, extra people to talk to. Like we just do it, right? And, and listen, I, I just think the reason we do it is because we don't know how to live any different. We have reprogrammed our brains in such a way that's not God that we don't know how to live different, right? So what happens is, is we remain in a constant state of being drained physically, mentally, I'm saying all these on purpose, emotionally, and more importantly, spiritually. Listen, this may sound strange, but it would appear like we've become addicted to this kind of living. And, and, and I, once again, maybe I'm off on this, but... Here's kind of what I think when we have those free moments. The reason we have to fill it is because we're having like withdrawals from being so busy. Because we're addicted to moving. True or not true? Listen, and, and the reality is we wonder why we're not growing spiritually like we think we should. We wonder why we can't get emotionally healed. And we're wondering why we're not developing our gifts that God's given us better, right? And we can't figure out why we're not connecting with our spouse or our children in a deeper way. And we can't figure out why in our lives we're not enjoying authentic relationships and so on, right? Like the list keeps going on, but, but why? It's because all of that takes quality time, intentional time, right? And listen, and we say, well, we don't have any, right? We're so busy, and so we, you know, whatever, we hurry off to the next thing instead of just slowing down and focusing on the important things of life. Amen? Amen? Like, like, let, me, let me say this, okay? And I'm, I'm going to talk to myself here too. Like, when did ever sitting down on the couch shoulder to shoulder with your wife or your husband watching something really cause you to go deeper in relationship together? See, see the, the reality is, is we've fallen in a pattern when we walk through the door, we're exhausted, and we just zone out, right? And, and we act like watching hours upon hours of Netflix or scrolling on our phone or reading somebody else's stupid post on Facebook, I hate <laughs> Facebook, that somehow that that's going to give us life. Let me ask you, has it given you life yet? And it never will. Right? Okay. Listen, because, because all of this, I think it's real problems we're facing. Uh, the well-known theologian Dallas Willard, he, he has been famously quoted by saying this. And man, this is accurate. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day day listen I want to pause here for a moment but but man if somebody would ask me what what do you think is the greatest cause the greatest enemy of spiritual life in the region you live in in the church you pastor in the home you live in in the life you live I can promise you hurry would not be on on the top of the list wouldn't have been right but the reality is, is man, it's like if when I stop and I think about it, I feel it. Like I feel it in my bones, right? And listen, it's like, um, if I can say it this way, 
through the evaluation process, like, yeah, I know that feeling. Okay, but I haven't seen the alarm lights flashing. Like the warning signs have been going. I've said things that are that don't need to be said. What I mean was, is I'm exhausted, I'm tired, all these things that are not Jesus, right? So the warning signs are flying, uh, but I haven't really noticed them. And what's happening is as I'm listening to the Holy Spirit and I'm listening to other ministers minister, you know, in this vein, you know, whatever, through this evaluation process, I got to admit that I can't disagree with what Dallas Willard said. So let's go back to what he said. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. And then he urged uh, basically other Christians to do what? To ruthlessly eliminate hurry from their lives. Can I shoot straight with y'all? I think that last part scares the crap out of most of us in this room. Like, what would my life look like if I actually eliminate all this? What would happen to my life if I can't watch 72 hours of Netflix this week? <laughs> Y'all know it's true. Disney Plus, Voodoo, Hulu, Yohoo, Wohoo, whatever, right? That was dorky. All right, so, anyways. I just think this, man, that if we stop and we're honest, that busyness, we can even say hurry is definitely the number one thing that's keeping us from living the intentional life and the fruitful life that Jesus wants us to live. Am I being repetitive? Yes, on purpose today, because we need it to sink in, right? Listen, here's why, because hurry is incompatible with the life that Jesus wants us to live. It's incompatible to the kingdom, Right? Listen, I'll just say it this way. Hurry is incompatible with being a healthy and fully present husband and father or wife and mother. Like, hurry is incompatible with being spiritually, mentally, emotionally, right? And physically healthy as a friend, healthy as a leader, healthy as a business owner, however you want to go at it, right? That we, we literally, listen, we're not designed by God to, to live a life of speed, we weren't, right? We were not. Listen, if we understand that literally that hurry and the kingdom, they don't coexist, right? They just don't. And so, listen, we are going to have to learn how to slow down if we're going to live the life Jesus wants us to live. Amen? So with all that said, let me ask you, uh, what are some signs? What are some signs that maybe that you're struggling uh, from busyness or hurry. Let me give you a few things. Uh, one of the guys that, that I landed on was a guy named John Mark Comer. John Mark Comer, okay? Here's the way God typically works with me, okay? Is the dots are connected for me on this. Is I have been praying, uh, basically, God, will you bring basically new voices New spiritual leaders, will you bring them in my life? Like, I feel like I'm in a transition period of relationships, okay? In other words, like, it's not that I'm abandoning the old, but I know there's some new revelations and some new truths and some growth that God wants to bring in my life, and I need to get connected with people who, who operate and flow in that, okay? Does that make sense? And so what happens is, is with me a lot of times, yes, God brings physical people in my life, and I'll meet them, uh, but sometimes what happens is, is this person that lives in this state will go, hey, have you heard about this guy? 
And then I'll talk to someone a few months later, hey, have you heard about this guy? And it's the same guy, right? And so, and so or somebody will go, hey, have you, I'll give an example, Sean sent me a picture of a book recently. And then, um, and then uh, basically uh, Cameron, uh, a pastor at a church in North Carolina, sent me a picture of the same book. You need to check this out. Then Josiah goes, hey, have you checked out this podcast? It's the same dude. I'm like, okay, Jesus. I bought the book, guys. Okay, so, and I've listened to all the podcasts. So anyway, so, anyways, but, but that's where Jesus is talking. I'll tell you later. That's where Jesus is, like, talking. I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta pay attention to this, right? And so, anyways, so here's what's happened. So I landed on this, these two guys, and this is one of the things he said. Okay, that's such a poor rabbit trail. All right, here we go. So here's some signs that basically that we're maybe struggling with with uh, basically being in a hurry or being too busy. All right, the first one is this. And the first three here from this therapist person that he mentioned. He said that you, you move from one checkout line to the next because it's shorter. <laughs> like we've all done that in Walmart. <laughs> right? True, yes. So it says this. And I don't know how much it happens around here because we got like three traffic lights. But he, he said, you know, when you're at a stoplight, you count the cars and you pull into the line with the least amount of cars in it. Like, obviously, we don't even have more than one lane most of the time. Anyways, so anyways, next one is, is, is and I don't know about you, but I'm so guilty of this. You multitask to the point to where you forget one of the tasks you were doing every day. So here's, here's some other things that another person, I can't remember the person's name, another list that he gave, is that you're constantly irritable. You're on edge. You snap at people. You're easily offended. Hypersensitivity, that it takes very little to hurt your feelings or to set you off or to make you mad. Restlessness. In other words, you have to have the TV on. you got to have music on, right? Uh, you're constantly scrolling through your phone or checking your emails. In other words, your mind's constantly going. We've addressed that. The next one, you're a workaholic, meaning you have a tendency to go, I think I can get another hour in before I leave, right? You're emotionally numb. In other words, you've lost your sense of empathy and compassion. So the only handful of emotions that you can actually feel are, are mainly what? Anger and anxiety. You struggle with escapism. Instead of dealing with life, you escape into things we've already mentioned, Netflix, Facebook, alcohol, Right? In other words, you do anything that you can find to distract yourself from the responsibilities of life. Next one, you're disconnected and lose sight of your calling. And, and I would say this, that years ago you said Jesus wanted me to do this. Now that doesn't even come up in conversation. You've lost sight of it. Okay, you're more reactive than proactive. You don't get enough sleep. Amen. I'm operating off about four and a half, five right now. So, listen, here's what's interesting. I'll pause there for a moment. He said this. He was talking about before the, uh, before the um, creation of the light bulb, the, the average person in North America uh, slept 11 hours a night. Like, wow. And the average now is seven. Some of y'all are like three and four. Y'all are beast, Okay. Wish I could function off that. Anyways, so the next one is this, is that you slip 
uh, in your spiritual practices and disciplines, meaning things you know you should be doing with God, you just don't do them. And here's a few that I would add to this list. Is that how we know we're busy? We're constantly distracted and living in a state of indecisiveness. That we just can't make a decision. Another one is that we view people and their needs as an interruption and inconvenience. Like somebody needs us and we're like, just another thing. Kids bleeding. (laughs) Here we go again. We're going to get you a helmet, son. Right? Can I be honest with y'all? And you're going to probably think less of me, but I'll, I'll go with it, okay? I'm human too. But, but, but there are literally times where I go into town and I pray and I ask Jesus, please don't let me run to anybody I know. I told you you think less of me. You're supposed to love all the people. And I'm like, I don't want to see the people, Jesus. And here's why, because sometimes I don't need to hear another problem. Is that too honest? Here's the next one, is that you can't remember the last time you did nothing but sat in silence. You can't remember the last time you spent a meaningful and uninterrupted time with Jesus on a regular basis. I said it this way, when's the last time you spent time with Jesus and didn't look at your phone in the process? Last one is you find yourself regularly skipping church because you need to rest. Is there anybody that can identify with any of those on that list? Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, man, I, I you know, the only reason I don't have that last one is because I got to be the one preaching. <laughs> Other than that, it's me, right? Like, I'm nailing it, okay? I promise you, there's plenty of days I don't want to show up either. So, all right. All right, maybe I shouldn't say those things. All right, so the bottom line is this, and we got to get rolling, is, is most of us have too much to do and not enough time to get it done. It's called, it's called overload, right? And, and so the only way we know how to cope with it is we do our best to speed up. Right Or hurry our minds and hurry our bodies to some frantic pace that is incompatible, once again, to life in the kingdom. Right? Listen, and it doesn't take rocket science to figure it out that sooner or later, something's going to give. Right? Like the, like the overload will inevitably cause us to do this. It'll cause us to marginalize the significant relationships in our life. I hope you're hearing that. Like, it'll, we'll marginalize our family, we'll marginalize our friends, and ultimately we'll even begin to marginalize our relationship with God himself. Because the reality is, once again, God has never designed us to live a life of busyness or hurry. So after a while, something or someone will give. And typically, the first one to go on that list is God. So listen, because of that truth, it it shouldn't surprise us when we hear uh, what the late Corey Tim Boom said. She said this. She said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Like, what a powerful and accurate statement. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Listen, when you sit back and you think about that quote, it's pretty interesting to think about how both sin and busyness or hurry have the same negative effect in our lives. Listen, they both, watch this, cut off our intimate connection to God, to other people, and they both cause damage to our spiritual, mental, and emotional health. 
great place to say amen. Listen, while, while I think we may not typically think of busyness or hurry as one of the devil's tactics to steal, kill, and destroy in our lives. In fact, let me say it this way. I don't think most of us see another uh, ding notification on our phone as a tactic of the enemy. But it is. L- like, literally. Like, let's, let's admit, how many of us in the morning, the first thing we do is grab our phone? I'm guilty. And typically, watch this, typically it's because I want, did some emergency happen that I have to handle? And here's the reality. Here's what I'm, I'm the older I get, I'm kind of getting salty. Maybe I'm getting numb, okay? It is this, is, is I, I'm trying to remind myself, um, your crisis isn't my crisis. And here's why I say that. Because you've been screwing up your marriage for 20 years doesn't mean I have to fix it in the next hour. That was strong, wasn't it? And so it's just like, am I making sense? And so, but, but like how many times, here's why, here's the hardest part of being a pastor. Maybe some of you guys got this too. I'm being so vulnerable today. It is, is it so hard to say no? And my wife is always trying to tell me, Quentin, when you say no, uh, when you say yes to them, you're saying no to us. And I'll put it in perspective for all of us that, that when you say yes to all those things, that ding, right, that latest whatever, right, that's got that email, that text, whatever, when I say yes to that, I'm saying no to so many things. We're saying no so many things that matter the most in life. Good preaching. All right, so listen, the reality is this, is I think the evidence is clear that busyness and hurry keeps us from doing what? Loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. So if I can give you an extra thought here, and this may be a little, little far-fetched for some people, but, but, but if we view sin as missing the mark, then we have to ask, what is the mark? Right? Like, according to Paul, right, in Philippians 4.13, the mark of the high calling is to be intimately connected to God. Right? That's the mark. And I think we can agree from our own personal experience, once again, that busy and hurry, they hinder that. And so is it possible that a life of frantic pace and a life of busyness and hurry is actually sinful in the eyes of God? Like, we don't think that's sin, but it just might be. Listen, John Mark Comer said something I thought was extremely sobering, right? I actually had a Paul, let me rewind it, let me hear it again. Here's what he said. He said, when we consistently live a life of busyness or hurry... We end up in not a theological, but functional atheism. Ouch. Here's what that means. Let me help us out. Is that it's not that we, from a theological standpoint, don't believe in God, but we live like he doesn't exist. Why? Because like atheists in, those, in our busyness, we're choosing to live a life without him. Because if we won't admit or not, our lifestyle of hurry says, God, I don't value you enough to stop and spend time with you and get your opinion on these things. So I think I can handle it myself. That's an atheistic approach. Listen, but we need to remember, we're almost done, y'all hang with me, that according to Psalm 91 and according to John 15, we are all called to abide. He who abides in the shadow of the Almighty, Right? We're called to abide. Listen, in the only way that I have ever been able to abide in seasons of my life, the way I know I'm supposed to, is by slowing down. 
right? And listen, I, I personally believe it is impossible, impossible to enjoy the emotional health and to actually have a spiritually rich, right, and abundant life, the kind that Jesus promised us without abiding in him. Like, abundant life is not found in quick throw-up prayers to heaven, right, as I run from one project to the next. Jesus, help, right? I mean, it's just, that's not abiding, right? In, in fact, let, let, me, let me say it to you this way, and I don't know if I've said this recently. Um, years ago, I was in a prayer meeting. And, uh, and I was basically just walking, doing my typical. I was North Carolina, so it's loud. And, and, uh, and I'm kind of walking and I'm praying. And I kept thinking about Psalm 91, right? Like, he who abides, right, in the secret place. Let me, I'm, I'm jacking it up in my head here. Let me read it to you. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's very interesting. I, here's why. I was, I was basically, that scripture kept rolling in my heart and my mind. And I kept asking, what's the difference between dwell and abide? Dwell and abide. Dwell and abide. What, what's the difference? And I finally left the prayer meeting, went to my office, grabbed Strong's Concordance, went and looked up basically the Hebrew words here, and, and I saw that basically what it means to dwell or abide, that, that yes, it means to settle, it means to stay overnight, it means the things that you would think it would mean. And then when I, as I kept reading, I landed on a meaning that I did not expect, and it was this, it, it is Mary, M-A-R-R-Y, Mary, he who is married to the secret place. Now, why do I bring that up? And uh, I think this, um, how many of you guys have ever heard of common law? Like, meaning if Jim and Susie stay together for seven years, the government sees them as being married. Common law. Okay? Here's what I found out, that a lot of times we practice common law Christianity. And, and here's why I say that. It's because what happens when a man and a woman live together and they refuse to get married, what, ha what they're saying is, is we want the benefits of marriage, but we don't want the commitment. Right? Like, we want a playhouse, but we don't want to actually have the sacrifices because when the rubber meets the road and the hard times come, we want to have an exit strategy. A sin. Don't shout me down. We, we've accepted too many things that are sin in the church. Okay? And, and, so, and so I think at the end of the day what happens is, is what I saw there in Scripture, is that so many Christians, we want the benefits of the secret place without the commitment common law Christianity, right? Does that make sense? So we've been called to abide, okay? So listen, with all that said, could it be possible that busyness is really the number one thing that's keeping you from living an intentional life? And so I just want to ask you as we prepare to close here, uh, what would it look like for you to actually slow down this week? Listen, is everything, I'm talking to some of y'all, especially if you're A-type personality in this room, okay? Is everything really going to fall apart if you slow down? Here's what came to my mind this morning when I was going through this. 
Listen, is, do we really trust God that little? That if we think we don't put our hand to everything and run around like a southern statement, with, like a chicken with his head cut off, that, that everything's going to fall apart? Or can we trust that God's got it? Right? Like, like, listen, once again, th- that email will be there tomorrow. That project, it can really wait till next week. Yeah? I'm still looking for a way to be able to convince people to come to church on Monday and not Sunday. <laughs> uh, but listen, is the world really going to come crashing down if we don't respond to that person's text immediately? It's not, right? Like, Jesus, give us some perspective. I'll say this, and we got to get out the door here, but um, I feel like this morning when I was praying, a little prophetic moment here. Is I feel like I need to remind some of you in this room, and this isn't everyone, but I feel like I need to remind some of you of why you moved to Maine in the first place. Some of you guys were born here, okay? So I get that, okay? But for you that were not born here, I, I think you need to remember why you moved to Maine. You think, well, it was a job, it was coronavirus, it was, no, 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 no. A man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Why did God send you to Maine? I'm going to tell you for myself, it was because I was needing to get away from all of this. And here I am six and a half years later, and I've created the monster again. Right? (laughs) Not in the plan. But... But am I making any sense, you guys? Like, I listen, I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew. Yes, God was putting me in a position. Yes, you know, we were going to lead a church. and do, Yes, all those things. But in my heart, I knew that God brought me here to grow closer to my wife and to grow closer with my kids. I knew that, right? And so uh, I don't know what your reason is. I'm just telling you mine. But, but I think some of us need to remember why Jesus brought us to Maine. Amen? Let me say it to, I, let me say it to some of y'all. Some of you guys that were born in Maine and you left and you came back, let, let, me, let me say it like it should be said. You guys that ran your fastest and hardest to get out of Maine, and now you're back, why are you back? It's the way life should be. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. I want to read a final verse to you here, and we're going to pray. Psalm 23. Y'all listen to this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Why am I reading that to you today? Because my simple prayer for you and for me is that we would find a new rhythm and a new pace in this life. Because the pace and the rhythm we are currently living isn't fitting or compatible for the kingdom. So my prayer is that simply that we'd be we'd remember. He's trying to lead us somewhere. He's the shepherd, not us. He's trying to lead us, right, to some pastures and some some, uh, good, nice water, right, still water. So we need to let him lead us. Amen?
So if I can stress again, it's not, it's not a, oh, let's check it project box, but maybe we really do need to sit down and map out our lives a little better. That's an intentional growth plan or whatever. We just need to focus on Jesus, what does it need to be? Amen? Amen. Can you stand to your feet, please? Father, I simply ask today, God, in the name of Jesus, for myself and everyone here, uh, Lord, would you please help us, Lord, to find that rhythm and that pace in a life, God, that is in agreement with you. God, you said in your word, how can two walk together unless they're in agreement? And Lord, we believe that there's a speed of heaven that in reality sometimes feels like dial-up to us. Uh, but the reality is it's the pace of life and the rhythm of life that you've called us to live because it's in that place where we're the most effective and the most fruitful in the areas that matter the most. And so, Jesus, I'm just simply asking that you would begin to invade our lives, God, with your voice. And, Lord, that you begin to show us the incompatible pieces of our lives, uh, you know, that we need to get in order, that we need to get in line. God, we give you full permission to speak to us. But, Lord, I'm also asking, God, that you would give us the wisdom and the discernment, Lord, and the courage to actually listen to what you're saying and to put it into practice. Because, once again, faith without works is dead. And so, Lord, would you just simply help us to live the life you called us to live as individuals and as families and even as a church. Uh, God, if you are launching us into something different in this season, uh, Lord, to maybe... Uh, just shift the way we think, shift the way we do life. God, once again, even as a, as a local church body, uh, God, we're willing to go there because we want to be who you've called us to be. And the reality is we can't be who you've called us to be unless we're healthy. And so, Lord, whatever you got to do to bring health to us, God, in all those areas that we mentioned today, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically, Lord, whatever you got to do, Lord, we ask you to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.